0: The following audio is from Grace Fellowship of Westerville. To learn more about our church, please visit our website at www.gracefcwesterville.org. Thank you, Brother Dan. Good morning. That was a lively one, finally. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you so much once again for... Being in your house for worshiping and praising your name. And as you remind us how merciful you are. And today's a special day, not only as we study your word, but we'll also remember what you did for us on Calvary. And I pray that you be with us in your spirit and guide me in my words. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You know, as I was preparing for this message, so Katrina, I'm going to warn you, you're going to have to kind of I'll, I'll try to keep on track with the PowerPoint, but the message sometimes changes automatically, right? Um, you know, as I was preparing for this message, a Hank Williams Sr. song kept playing in my house, head. I don't know if you guys know, it's called the House of Gold. You know, it says people steal, they cheat, and lie for the wealth and what they would buy. But don't they know that on Judgment Day, all gold and silver will fade away? And... Likewise, in the Ten Commandments, as we said before, God established boundaries for us uh, to maximize our life. That's why we have boundaries. And when we come to this Eighth Commandment, I want to say this commandment, like all others, is one of the fundamental building blocks in our society for a sane, orderly, God-honoring society. And in Exodus 20, verse 15, it says... You shall not steal. Has anyone been a victim of theft in here? Has anyone taken anything from you? Stolen? Have you stolen anything or taken for somebody else that didn't belong to you? You know, men have this amazing knack for taking that doesn't belong to them. you know these commandments really six through nine. We talked about, you know, that shall now murder. You can take theft of life. You can't commit adultery. We talked about that. You can take theft of a husband or a wife. You should not steal. That talks about uh, uh, possessions, taking somebody else's possessions. You should not bear false witness. That's talking about stealing somebody's reputation. And this is nothing new. And Jesus said in um, In Mark 10, 19, he said, you know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. So all these commandments are all reinstated in the New Testament. And first I want to kind of go over what this commandment means in in high level and look at it differently. We know what do not steal means, but that's the obvious. But what's not obvious in here is that Man has the God-given right to own property, and that right is not to be violated. If you can't own property, there's nothing to steal. And of course, we need to remember that God is the ultimate owner of all things because he is the creator of everything. Haggai uh, 2.8 says, silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. In Psalm 50 verse 10, we find for every beast of the forest is mine and the cattle of the thousand hills. And in Psalm twenty four one, it says, "The earth is the Lord's; it's all its fullness. The world, the the, the world, and those who dwell here therein." And Paul repeats this in 1 Corinthians ten twenty eight says, "For the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness." So, but so we need to understand first, everything belongs to the Lord. But there's not only the principle. So, if everything belongs to Him, the, the ownership. There's also a trusteeship. But we're the trustees. The Bible teaches that God does not, uh, he places this, all of this trust to people. We're merely, we're just tenants of the farm, if you can say it that way. And God has entrusted man the privilege and responsibility of being stewards or caretakers of certain material things, and he makes it clear throughout his word that the intents for this practical purposes is we're, we're the owners of those things. We are the owners. Just like uh, in Deuteronomy 11.31, when God spoke to Israelites through Moses and he said, For you will cross over to Jordan and go into the possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you, and you will possess it and dwell in it. That's the principle of ownership. And also, uh, you know, we see this in a sad case in the book of Acts of Ananias and Sapphira. And they sold their land and gave part of the proceeds to, to the church but claimed that they went beyond that. Now, their lying, of course, brought down the judgment of God, and they died. But notice what Peter said before they died in Acts 5, verses 3 to 4. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived these things and you had it? And have lied not to men but to God. So we're 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 talking about ownership, so we can own things. And the ownership of property is sacred and it's a God-given privilege, and stealing is a sin. Stealing is something which does not what's stealing? It's taking something that doesn't belong to you, right? But as I studied this commandment, it goes even deeper than that. So I looked up some words, uh, cinnamon. You know, sometimes I look up different words when I do sermon, and, and it says another word is extort, seize, burglarize, defraud, heist, cheat, misappropriate, chisel, plunder, rob, snitch, swindle, swipe, fleece, embezzle, and em, bamboozle. Bamboozle. That's a fun word to say. So we're dealing with this subject is far more complicated. Than we think, and ultimately, stealing has—it's nothing new. It's been throughout history. If we uh, go to the book of Joshua and uh, Joshua seven, uh, God brought judgment upon Israelites because, as He explained in verse eleven, in Joshua seven eleven, said they have stolen. If Israel has sinned, they also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken some of the cursed things, and they have both stolen and deceived. They also put it among their own stuff. Judas Iscariot before he would betray Jesus we read in the book of John um, chapter 12 verse 6 it says that he was a thief He said he cared for the poor but he was a thief and had the money box he used to make it was put in so we, we see this thievery if you could say all throughout history of mankind and Martin Luther said if all who are thieves were hanged soon there will be a shortage of both hangmen and the gallows. So we are all guilty of stealing something. Um, we don't like it when it happens to us, um, but you know sometimes you go and when you're preparing a sermon, I go to check statistics. You go to the website of FBI website. You look up crime rates, and you can do that on your own. But the statistics of burglary, stealing is it, just it's 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 crazy. Bank robberies, home break-ins. So there's many different different ways of stealing. So, how do we violate this commandment? So, I'm going to go over 10 ways we we steal. Now, this is not all the ways we steal, of course, but since it's 10 commandments, I'll just stick to 10 ways and kind of go through them. Now, stealing outright. First is just simply taking something that doesn't belong to you, right? Um, you know, when I was in California, sometimes when you travel down to the farms where they grow oranges or Uh, on the side of the road they they have little uh what do they call farmers markets or something and I remember (laughs) we pulled over and you know we're walking around and there's this kid's just taking all the grapes and he's just stuffing his mouth with the grapes and the, the, the sales guy standing there is kind of just looking at me and I'm like he's not mine man you know and then here comes his mother. She comes to his mother and says, Oh, honey, you shouldn't put all those grapes all in your mouth all at once. And they just kind of walk away. You know, when we steal, we don't, we don't think of those things as stealing. But really, when you study the scripture, you're stealing. Uh, so, stealing something outright, robbing them, burglarizing you saying what's yours is mine, and I'll get it if I possibly can. So, another way is... Not paying your taxes, right? Not paying your taxes. Tax season is upon us. And uh, stealing is whenever it's from an individual or the government. Often people try to rationalize the way their guilt, right? They'll say, well, they tax me so heavily or they're going to misuse it and all that kind of stuff. Well, everybody pays for their mistakes, and we understand Congress just does it for our, with our money. But two wrongs don't make a right. Now, I want to make clear... Where I stand on this, tax avoidance and tax evasion are two different things. I do believe that we should avoid as much tax liability as we can by honest and um, just means. But breaking the law uh, to get out of paying taxes, uh, just, you know, amounts of the which you owe, that's stealing. You know, one guy was feeling so, so so sad and he felt guilt that he wrote a letter to the IRS, and he said, my conscience is bothering me, I got owe you guys money, so here's a check for $500, and if I still can't sleep, I'll send in the rest, but failure to pay taxes is stealing, Jesus paid his taxes, Jesus paid his taxes, if you look at Matthew 17 in verses 25 through 27, he said, and yes, he come to the house, Jesus anticipated him saying, what do you think, Simon? From who do kings on earth take custom or taxes, from their sons or from strangers? Peter said to him, from strangers. Jesus said to him, then the sons are free. Nevertheless, lest we offend them, go to the sea, cast a hook, and take a fish that comes up first, and when you open its mouth, you will find a piece of money, take it, and give it to them for me and you. Isn't that interesting? Why Jesus make, got to make it so complicated? He's got to go get a fishing pole. Put the worm in. you got to sit there, wait for the fish to bite. But he says, hey, we got to pay taxes, and you need to pay for me and you. And in Matthew 22, 17 through 21, um, he, was, he was being questioned by some Pharisees. And, he, and in verse 17, he says, Tell us, therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But the Jews perceived their wickedness and said, what do you te- Why do you test me, you hypocrites? Show me the tax money. So they brought him a denarius. And he said to them, whose image and inscription is this? They said, Caesar's. And he said, rendered therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God. And Paul reminds us of the same thing. Um, you know, in Romans thirteen seven. rendered therefore all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to her customs, fear to fear, and honor to honor. So we are to pay our income taxes, folks. It's a form of stealing if we do not pay our income taxes. Another way we steal is false advertisement. Dishonest advertisement. You know, taking people's money under false pretenses. And sometimes happens, this happens between individuals. In Hosea 7 1, it says, When when I healed Israel, the iniquity of Ephraim was uncovered, and the wickedness of Samaria, for they have committed fraud, the thieves come in and bend of rubbish take spoil. You see, what they were doing is they were using false weights. False weights. Uh, uh, you know, instead of selling, telling somebody you sold them for three pounds, you really sold them two pounds. If you look at Amos eight five, it says, "When, when will the new moon be passed that we may sell grain and the Sabbath that we may trade wheat, making the ephah small and the shekel large, falsifying the scales by deceit." That ephah is a is a, in their language is a small weight that they use, and by making their weights Lighter, they made their bank accounts heavier, and you know in Hosea twelve seven it says a cunning canite, deceitful scales are in his hand, he loves to oppress. And being from a country from Uzbekistan, you know when we go to the market, we didn't have grocery stores like this. If you want to buy vegetables or uh, tomatoes or anything like that, there there's a big farmers market. Imagine the farmers market, but a large scale. And a lot of people go there and, and buy things. And I remember when we were little kids, my dad would have to watch their weights because, you know, they'll, they'll put in two pounds and say that it's three pounds because they're, you know, holding their hand down on the scale at the same time. So you gotta, you got to watch them. So th- this is one of the ways we uh, deceive people. And another way is taking advantage of people. We just take advantage of people. Um, we steal because the buyer is ignorant of what they have. You know, if you look at Proverbs, and this is what I mean by that, in Proverbs twenty fourteen it says, it is good for nothing, cries the buyer, but when he's gone away, then he boasts. Uh, getting a legitimate bargain is one thing, but taking unfair advantage is quite another It amounts to stealing. Sometimes you get a good deal because the person that's selling you to you doesn't understand the full value of what they have. And we take advantage of those. And I was watching the video. Actually, I didn't know these kind of shoes existed. But there's apparently Nike has some shoes that are worth like $35,000, called some moon shoes. And what this old gentleman was doing, they were doing a prank, a video. And they were going to Foot Locker on these stores. And he was pretending that he didn't know what these wa- were. And uh, he didn't have a receipt. And he wanted to see if he can get store credit. And, and you know, everybody for the most part, we're honest with him and told him, pack up your shoes and leave before somebody realizes what you have. But there was one particular gentleman that he said, hey, you know, you don't have a receipt, you don't have anything, I'll give you $250 for it. That's taking advantage of people because he thinks he doesn't know what the value of he has. And another way we <laughs> do it is we take advantage of, uh, the, the way Jesus described it, is taking advantage of the widows. In those days, in the Bible days, if the husband worked in the fields. In our words, they paid the bills. They took care of those things. And when they passed away, sometimes the Pharisees even took advantage of them. If you look at Matthew twenty-three fourteen, 14, it says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses, and for pretenses make long players. Therefore, you receive greater con- condemnation. So, you know, we are not to take advantage You are to be honest. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul writes that no one should take advantage and defraud, defraud his brother in this manner because the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also forewarned and testified. And again, as we discussed in the last sermon, we need to remember, some people may not know, some people may not see, but God Almighty sees everything. Another way that I see that people take advantage is stealing from their parents. Have anyone, they were little, steal anything from their parents from their purse? Yeah, you have. Come on, yeah, you have. But that has not changed. Sometimes people take advantage of their elderly uh, parents as well, and you know they 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 work on their sympathies and stuff. I remember when I was uh, working in collections, and I was very good debt collector. Yeah, uh, but one one case kind of changed my mind on how I collected money, and it was this old lady, I called her up, and, you know, she she was being honest, but she was just saying, don't have any money to pay, and she gave me a story that her son has been taking advantage of her, and she didn't know that she's taking money, so I just thought it was a sob story, but then, you know, I hung up on her, but then she called me back and said, you know what, I can't believe my son is doing this, and I'm going to take... I'm just going to have to take split my heart medication, <laughs> so I couldn't do that. So, and then looking in the case a little further, I understood that her son was taking advantage of her, stealing from her, and she could not pay the bills because he had a drug problem. So, where some of the people steal from their parents, taking care, uh, taking advantage of the elderly, and there's lots of, lots of, lots of fraud going on there that takes advantage of the elderly. And another way is. If you're an employer or you hire somebody to do some yard work, not paying adequate wages. Some employers steal from their employees by not paying them what they're worth. In Colossians 4.1 says, Masters give you bound service, what is just and fair, knowing that you also have the master in heaven. So that implies also domestic work in your house. When you're hiring somebody, do you pay them what's just and equal? If you were in their place, would you expect to get paid that amount for doing that work. In James 5.4, it says, Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields and kept you back by fraud, cry out, and cry out, the reapers have reached the years of the Lord's Sabbath. So that's one side. But the other side is not giving the, employee, the employer his due. So the employees steal from the employer. Now, maybe you're taking paper clips home. I don't know. But if you don't work a full eight hours, if you come in, you're lazy and so forth, you're stealing from your employer. You, you know, that's what you agreed to, and that's what you need to give your employer, the full eight hours that you're supposed to. And I heard about a man who applied for a job, and he asked his prospective employers what he was uh, going to get paid. And they said, well, we'll pay you what you're worth. And he said, no, 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 no. I just I just quit my other job making more than that. So a lot of employees are out there are making more than they're worth. So if you agree to work for a certain wage, you need to honor, bound, and give your best at that job. Because in Colossians 3.22, we find this same warning, to, but bound servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not in your eye service as man-pleasers, but in sincerity of the heart-fearing God. So... So, there's two ways. If you say my employer is not taking care of me or so forth, are you taking care of your employer? Another way is not paying your debts, right? In this world, we have the haves, the have nots, but there's a third group that have not paid for what they have. Part of the problem with debt is that we are confused, We're, we confuse the needs. And the wants. And, and I would say, yesterday's luxuries are today's necessities, right? I gotta have Disney+. Plus. No, you don't. And some folks borrow money and never pay it back. And that's stealing. In Romans 13, 8, Paul writes, Owe one anything except to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. The idea is, Owe no one anything except for love, because debt of love is never closed. But all other debts need to be paid in full and purposely not paying your bills is theft. Now, I'm not talking about when you're tight or you lose a job, you need to contact your creditors and work something out with them and so forth. But, uh, you know, banks call them personal loans because if you don't pay them, they're going to get personal. They gonna go, so you need to <laughs> beat them. And, but never paying those debts is, is stealing, plain and simple. It's stealing. And if when you refuse to pay your bills, you trans- transgress on this uh, commandment. Now, the next two items I want to focus on, I want to say they're more spiritual or religious in nature. Um, I want to tell you one of the most heinous, horrible, wicked sins of stealing is the theft of someone's faith. It's the theft of someone's faith. Let me show you a verse in Scripture. Jeremiah 23, 29. Is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? That's God's word. Hammer. Fire. And I will say this, I have preached God's word and I've seen God's word burn like a fire. I've seen God's work like a hammer just keeps pounding away, pounding away, pounding away at hearts of people until that hard rock is cracks and open and becomes soft. And there's power in preaching the Bible. There's power in God's word. Do you guys know that? That there's power in his word. And that's what the reason I really try to preach the word, because God honors his word. God honors his word and his word here we read is like a fire. And you know and I'm so thankful for his word because the power of not me, not the preacher, the power of his words breaks down the barriers people come to christ they get to to see who they truly are and what they deserve and and you know the power of his word you know a man is a thief he's a false prophet when he steals the truth from the souls of men you know we got this pandemic coronavirus right going on where are all these faith healers Weren't they getting on a jet and flying to China or whatever it is and healing it? Because they're a whole bunch of frauds. It's frauds. So look with me. Let me show you what God's Word says. Continue on in Jeremiah 23, 30-32. It says, Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets, says the Lord, who steal my words, every one from his neighbor. So they steal the words from people. Behold, I am against the prophets, says the Lord, who use their tongue and say, He says. So they use their tongue to put words in God's mouth. They say, He says this, but they say it for their own benefit. Behold, I am against those who prophesy false dreams, says the Lord, and tell them to cause my people to err by their lies and by their wickedness. Yet I did not send them or command them. Therefore, they shall not profit this people at all, says the Lord. What God is saying, God is saying, if you're guilty of stealing the way, the word of God, out of someone's heart, you're stealing something from someone, God's word, he's, he's saying it, I'm against you. Because that's the worst kind of thievery. And in Jesus said in Matthew 18:6, he said, "But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in depth of sea." That's pretty, that's pretty graphic right there. But that's how, if you're stealing God's word, God's warning against false prophets, warning against those it also that do not believe that the Bible is in error in it, and it's, in, it's, it's the truth. We talked about the truth. What is the truth? We talked about that in men's study, and there's a lot of, going to be a lot of moaning and groaning going on on Judgment Day, I'll tell you that, when someone, some of these liberal pastors and prosperity gospel pastors who've destroyed the faith of people, because then they don't want to go back, because they're disappointed with all those, uh, disappointed with all those failures that people promise. You know, there's a, particular movement now that says if you think it and you keep saying it, it will happen. So if you want to be rich, just keep saying you're going to be rich and God's going to make you rich. So, so they, you know, and, and they're backing that up with uh, because Jesus healed with words. God created the world with words. So you're a mini guide when you come to Christ and you have the same power to do those things. No, you don't. No, you don't. You can't speak things into being, because you know (laughs) why? Because you're not God. Um, And, you know, I was reading a story about David Hume. I don't know if anybody knows. He was a Scottish Enlightenment philosopher, and his mother was a uh, uh, Bible-believing Christian. But he was so witty. He was so clever. He was intelligent. He was so logical. And he argued with her against her faith. And day by day, he would ridicule her. He would belittle her. How... How can she believe in such a thing? And he's stolen the word of God from her. And on the last day, when his mother came to die, he tried to comfort her. Can you imagine an atheist comfort somebody at at, at their death? And he said, Mother, hold on. She looked at him and said, there's nothing to hold on to. You destroyed my faith. And that's what God says, who steals my words, every one of them, from his neighbor?" And now this last one is, let me ask you a question. Has anyone here robbed God? Has anyone here robbed God? Look first in Corinthians, Corinthians 6, 19-20. It says this, Or do you not know that your body is a temple, Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. For you were bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which is God's. Sometimes we hear people say, I'm my own man, right? I say that sometimes until my wife busts me upside the head. But you see, we, don't, we belong to God. We be, you're bought with a price. And now suppose I take something that belongs to you, I abuse it, I misuse it, I run it down, waste it. I become a thief. Well, if you take your life, your soul, your, your spirit that belongs to God, and you misuse it, abuse it, or do whatever, you robbed God. You robbed God. You belong to the Lord. You were bought in agony in the blood of the cross with the royal blood of Christ. You were bought. You're not your own. And 1 Peter 1.18, it says this, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ of Lamb without blemish, without spot. Have you surrendered everything to Jesus Christ in your life? Have you given Him your life? If you haven't, you're breaking this commandment. There's another way you can steal from God, not withholding yourself, but withholding your stewardship. Now, before... I go get into this. I want to make one thing clear. If you cannot give, God understands. If you can give and you won't give, God knows. And I'm going to talk about tithing a little bit because a tither's problem is seldom money. It's seldom money. Some people pay tithes to their their waitress, but they tip God. You know, in Malachi 3.8, it says this. Will a man rob God? Yet yeah, you have robbed me. But they say, but you say, in what way have we robbed you in tithes and offerings? That's God's answer. You robbed me in tithes and offerings. There's another way to steal from God, is withholding your stewardship, one's tithes. Now a lot of people protest. And, you know, who don't want to tithe, and they say, well, tithing's taught in the Old Testament, we're in the New Testament, tithing tithing was a Jewish thing under the law. But let me, if you really study it, tithing came before the law. Tithing was taught during the law. Tithing was bring one-tenth of your income and giving the work to the Lord. You know, Abraham commenced it, well, Abraham was before mosaic law here so friend everything we need to understand that everything belongs to god it always has it always will as we read in corinthians for the earth is the lord's and all its fullness but if you do not bring tithe and offering on top of your tithe let me tell you that too you have not done your duty when you tithe some people think oh i'm a tither well that's not all that's not all there's an offering we're to give God if he, he has prospered us. And for some people to give merely a tithe, let me tell you this, it's an insult to God. Well, you're like, well, what are you talking about? Well, God does not measure your gift by the face of the check. You're right. He measures it by the stub you get home. And what I mean by that, let me show you in Luke 21, the first four verses says this, and he looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. So there's the rich people who are prospered putting their gifts into the treasury. And he also saw a certain poor widow putting in two mites. Well, if you compare two mites to the treasury they're putting in, you say, well, they're giving more. But he goes on and says, so he said, truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all. For all these out of their abundance have put in offerings for God, but she out of her poverty put in all the livelihood that she had. Do you see what I'm saying? God is not looking at the amount of check. He's looking at what you have at home that you're bringing in. She brought everything that she had because we fail to give... God fully what he's done because we don't understand he's the one that gives us the strength, the power to prosper. If you look at Deuteronomy 8.18, And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. So tithe is not God's way to raise money. Also understand that. He owns everything and God's tithe is the way to bless you. And to teach you to trust him. So if you look at Malachi 3.10, it says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now on this. He says, Trust me, says the Lord of hosts. And if you will not open your, for you the windows of heaven and pour out you such blessings that there will not be room enough to receive it. God says, Trust me. Bring it. I will bless you. So we need to trust God. And, you know, I was reading a story, and one professed Christian spoke to his pastor, and pastor was kind of, you know, thinking maybe this man wasn't saved, so he started asking him his question. He said, so, son, have you been baptized? He said, no, I haven't been baptized. He's like, but you're a Christian. He said, yes. He said, why not? Well, he said, well, the thief on the cross wasn't baptized. He said, okay. Well, are you a church member? He said, no, I'm not a church member. He said, why not? Well, on the cross, when he was dying, he was not a church member. He said, "Okay, but do you give any money to support the work of the gospel?" He said, "No, I don't give any money to support the work of the gospel." He said, "Why not?" The dying thief didn't give his money. All he did was believe. And the pastor looked at him and said, "There's one difference between you and that thief." And he said, "What is it?" He said, "He was a dying thief. You're a living thief." And when it comes to giving, people stop at nothing. Some people stop at nothing. And let me tell you that tithing sometimes uh, just part of your service. On the other hand, don't think that just because you tithe, you're good with God. Okay? I'm not a prosperity gospel preacher, but I will tell you what the scripture says, and you are to bring God's tithe into the God's house on God's day to do God's work. And, you know, but we have people that put zero in the church offering and then complain about the church scold. And many people think, I don't know where this comes from, well, maybe I do, but I don't want to get into it, but many people think now these days that the church, all they want is your money. It's strange how big the dollar looks, right, when it goes to the church, but not when it goes to the grocery store. It's strange. All they want is our money. But let me explain it this way. When you go to the mall, do you say, all this mall wants is my money? No, because you need that clothes. When you go to the grocery store to buy groceries, do you say, Kroger, all they want is my money? I say that to Costco, you know. I feel broke every time I leave Costco. All they want is my money. Why? Because that's not the issue. We don't say those things. Why? The issue, you need food. Grocery has, grocery store has the food. Uh, You go to the mall, you need clothes. They, They got the clothes. In other words, these aren't just places that just want money but they indeed providing you something with something you absolutely need, right? And folks, we need God. We need solid Bible teaching and preaching churches. We need spiritual light. We need training for our children. We need to know God's ways. And if you go to a grocery store for physical food, then you ought to be willing to come to God's house to get spiritual food and not wine. And the question is not, does the church want my money? I'll say it this way. The question should be, does the church serve good food? Does the church serve good food? And God's, understand this too, tithing is not God's way to raise money. He he doesn't need your money. As a matter of fact, what you don't freely give, God neither needs nor wants. Don't tithe. Whatever you freely don't give, he doesn't need it. You're not making God any richer by giving him the money for his work. You're not making him any less poor. But what does God look for is in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, So let each of give as he purposes in his heart. Not grudgingly, not for out of necessity. For God loves a cheerful giver. Understand you're not helping God out. God owns the world. And so many say, in ministry, sometimes I talk to people, I ask them, well, what do you else you do for church or whatever? Oh, I'm a tither. You know, this, this church operates because I donate so much money. But stewardship is not about paying dues. I wish it was. It would be a lot easier than you can just pay it as a monthly bill, and you're good, right? But that's not what the Word of God teaches. Jesus said in Matthew 23:23, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay a tithe of men, anise and cummin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law. Justice, mercy, faith, you ought, to have, you ought to have done without leaving others undone. So he's saying you you got, you got to have both. You can't just have one. So how do we keep this commandment? How do we keep this commandment? Number one is before you do anything, and this applies not just to this commandment, it's to other things in your life. If you have sin in your life, if you, if you need help, number one thing you need to check. Are you right with God? Are you saved? Receive the gift of salvation. Look at Acts twenty twenty one. 21. It says, testifying to the Jews and also the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ. And when Peter was preaching in Acts 2.38, they said, what should we do to be saved? He said, "Them, let repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, remission of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Even in your past, if you had a pattern of fevery or whatever, God will cleanse your heart. You need to get right with God. And in 23, Luke 23.43, it says, Jesus said to him, surely I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. The reason I read that is Jesus was killed between two thieves, right? So if you have sin in your life, if you don't want to be a thief, what's the first thing you got to do is get right with God. And we see it on Calvary. One of the thieves got right with God, and Jesus said, you will be with me in paradise. The other one didn't. So number one, get right with God. Now, if you are right with God, but you're backsliding, in 1 John 1, 9, it says... If we confess our sins, he is faithful, he'll forgive us, he'll cleanse us. Number three, if you made a violation of this commandment and you stole something, this is one of those commandments where you can make up for it. Make restitution whenever possible and appropriate. That's the normal response. If you've stolen something, bring it back. And we read about this in Luke 19, verses 8 through 9. Zacchaeus received Jesus joyfully into his heart. And when he was right with God, he got that part right, what did he do? Then Zacchaeus student said, The Lord, look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and then if I've taken anything from anyone in false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he is also is a son of Abraham. When Zacchaeus made right with God, he was converted You see, true conversion makes an honest man. He became honest, and he said, anybody I offend, I am going to make restitution. I'm going to give half to the poor. He was a tax collector. You know he was defrauding them. And he said, the other ones, I'm going to give fourfold. So, you know, I was reading the story, and it said about a new convert, read the story, and he stole from his neighbor, and he decided to make restitution. He went to his neighbor, and he said, I stole a rope from you, so I'm going to give you this rope back. But the man kind of turned away and walked away from him. So he goes and says, Pastor, I tried to make restitution, and he wouldn't just talk to me or anything like that. What, what should I do? I you know, was motivated by this story. I was trying to make restitution and make amends. He said, Son, was there anything attached to the rope? He said, Yeah, he's priced calf, but we've got to make proper Restitutions, not just apologies, but if you've stolen something, take it back and give it back. On top of that, and folks, we need to follow biblical principle. Biblical principles. Why do we steal? Some people don't work. You know, in Ephesians four twenty-eight says, "Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor. Work. Get to work. Work is honorable. It's therapeutic." Don't just sit around. Now, if a person is disabled or simply unable to find work, that's one thing. But if you're able to work, you need to be working. And the way to prevent theft is another important factor. Is In the second, second part of the verse, says, Working with his hands what is good. So it's honorable. You need to work. But why? That he may have something to give him who has a need. So not only we work to for ourselves, but also... If somebody has a need, that way you're able to help them. So the opposite of stealing is not not stealing. The possible the opposite of stealing is giving. And uh, giving people in need builds spiritual, it's builds spiritual strength in you. And that's why in Acts 20, 35, it says, More blessed to give than to receive. And we also need to be content. Be content with what you have. I'm not saying that you shouldn't work or be ambitious or... Uh, you know, for, for future, what you want to work for. Those things are fine, but we are to be content with our present situation for the time being. In First uh, Timothy 6, six, it says this, Now the godliness is contentment is great gain. For brought nothing into this world, and certain we can carry nothing out, and having food and clothing, these shall, with these we shall be content. That's all you really need. Anything else is extra. So we need to learn how to be content. You know, sometimes we don't realize what we have until we lose it right and there was I was reading a story about dumb criminals and and the man robbed a bank stole six thousand dollars got away with it but then the police arrested him he was thrown in jail and they uh sent his gun out to the lab that he used to rob the bank and it turns out it was a Colt 45 some historical gun gun that was worth a hundred thousand dollars he had a gun in his possession that's worth $100,000, yet he went and robbed a bank for $6,000. And, folks, we just need to be honest. Just live on a life of honesty. You know, for, for good offense, we need to have good... Uh, for a for good best defense, they say, is the good offense. And in Romans 12, 17 says, Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in sight of all men. We need to make a decision in all our dealings, in all our situations... We're going to be honest. Bend back over backwards. Just be honest. Don't try to rip anybody off. There was a respected pastor, and I shared this with the men in the Bible study, and, you know, sometimes young people go to him, and they, he was uh, what we consider in wordliness successful, but we know it's God that does the work. But, you know, all young people, young pastors were asking for advice for ministry and so forth, and sometimes it takes a lot of time, and then you're like, man, I don't have time to talk to him. So I had a time to talk to him, and I said, can you do me a favor? Can you summarize ministry or your success or success for ministry in one word? He kind of laughed, said, you'll be all right. said, nobody asked me that question before, but I have thought about it. And the word is integrity. Integrity. The word is integrity. We need to have integrity. Live with integrity. If I can summarize this whole commandment with dealing with all these things, there's more ways we steal. It's have integrity. You don't need to need for live dishonest life, live in greed. Remember Christ uh, used the parable of the uh, Good Samaritan, the Good Samaritan story. It's in Luke chapter 10. And I'm sure you remember the parable. It was a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among the thieves. And, you know, um, they took his goods, beat him up, stripped him of his clothing. The priest passed by without helping. The Levite passed by without helping. But this Samarian stopped and helped the man and took him to the hotel or to the inn and paid for all his things. And I want you to, there's three philosophies there also on how we deal with our possessions. You see, the, the thieves had a philosophy. They were saying, What's yours is mine, I will take it. The, the priest and the Levite saying, What's mine is mine, and I'm going to keep it. The Good Sumerian said, What's mine is God's, and I'm going to share it. I'm going to give it. And each of us has a worldview when it comes to those things. And the worldview is not found in what we say with our possessions or what with God has blessed us. The worldview is expressed in our actions, what we actually do with those things. And we need to have our hearts and minds and wills, possessions of God. He will direct our paths. And most importantly, let us not uh, forget and let us remember that Jesus paid a debt for us that none of us can pay. We cannot repay. So we need to submit all we have to him, all we are to him. Into his hands. And for those that do not know the Lord Christ as your Savior, as we sang this morning, come as you are. Come as you are. Uh, we all have sinned. I have sinned. You have sinned. And you can't pay this debt. And I want to make sure that everyone that leaves here this morning is aware that Jesus paid your debt for you. He did. He paid it with his shed blood, death in Calvary. He wasn't stingy, he didn't steal or or he didn't, you know, say what's mine is mine, you earn your own. He paid your debt. He had a perfect life, and he gave it for you. Jesus died for your sins and mine, and he invites us to repent, to trust him as the Lord and Savior, and he never done so. I would ask you that you do so. Consider surrendering your life to him and confess your sins, and God will cleanse you and give you a new start. And in the Jeremiah 31, 34 says, For I will forgive their iniquity. He will give, forgive us and their sin. And then remember this, he says, I will remember no more. Ain't that great? So that will conclude our commandment of thou shalt not steal. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you so much for reminding us that you give us the rights to own property, that you entrusted us with different things in our life, and let us not Be greedy or let us consider that we're so smart that we obtain these things, but it's only by your mercy and your will that we have them. And let us use them properly so it may praise your name and bring good to your kingdom. And now I ask that you prepare our hearts for the second part of the service, as you remember what you did for us in Calvary, where you broke in body and you spilled your blood for our sins. Amen. Now, as we come to... Our communion. I just want.